Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Employment Law Matters. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett, a barrister at Outer Temple Chambers in London. This podcast is aimed at HR professionals who want to help their businesses and clients and at lawyers who want to draw on my 25 years experience fighting cases day in, day out in employment tribunals and the appeal courts. I've seen everything employers do wrong, not just once, but many, many times over. And I want to share some of that knowledge with you over the coming weeks, months and years. For this first episode, I thought I'd talk about a question I'm asked quite a lot. Can we suspend that employee? Generally, you can suspend as long as you've got a good reason to do so. I'm going to tell you first about a recent Court of Appeal decision that said that, and then I'm going to translate it into five situations where you'll run into trouble if you do suspend. Taking an employee out the workplace while an investigation is carried on undoubtedly has its benefits, but there's always the risk of a tribunal accepting the employee's almost inevitable argument, you suspended me, so you obviously think I did it, so it's all prejudged. Now, the Court of Appeal case that dealt with this was decided in March 2019. It's called London Borough of Lambeth against Agareo. A primary school suspended a teacher after two teaching assistants accused her of using excessive force against two young pupils with special educational needs. She said it was a knee-jerk suspension and so a breach of the implied term of trust and confidence. She resigned and she sued the school. The county court held the school had reasonable and proper cause for suspending her and it dismissed her claim. On appeal, the High Court said that it hadn't been necessary to suspend her and therefore the suspension was a breach of trust and confidence. There was an appeal to the Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal agreed with the County Court. It said there was no breach of trust and confidence and so no constructive dismissal. The correct legal test, said the Court of Appeal, was whether the head teacher had reasonable and proper cause to suspend. Reasonable and proper cause. And the head teacher did. The Court of Appeal said the High Court was wrong to seemingly instead adopt a test of whether it was necessary to suspend. The test isn't whether it's necessary, it's whether there's reasonable and proper cause. A lower test. And accordingly, the teacher's claim that her suspension was a breach of contract failed. All very interesting, of course, but how does that translate into when you can suspend an employee? Well, it's a pretty low bar. You need to show it was reasonable and proper. And that will normally, but not necessarily always, involve establishing that not suspending and allowing the employee to stay in work carries a credible risk of either them interfering with witnesses or with the investigation, or of other employees being unable to continue working, or of them committing further acts of misconduct. Now, I think there are five ways in which suspension can lead to a constructive dismissal claim, or indeed a finding of unfairness if you subsequently decide to dismiss. Here are the five. Number one, if suspension is an inherently inappropriate step, perhaps because there's not sufficient evidence to support the need for it, or because the allegation isn't serious enough. 
if suspension is inherently inappropriate, it will be a constructive dismissal to suspend. Number two, if the suspension goes on for too long or it isn't reviewed at appropriate points, then it could amount to a breach of trust and confidence. In one case, called Camden and Islington Mental Health and Social Care Trust against Atkinson, there was a constructive dismissal when the employer didn't review the employee's suspension. It ought to have done that and lifted her suspension after an allegation against her was no longer in issue. So keep a close eye on whether suspension remains appropriate as time passes. You will be criticised if you keep an employee suspended where it's not reasonable anymore. Situation number three, when suspension can lead to a constructive dismissal claim, is if you communicate the suspension to others in a non-neutral or inappropriate way. At the time of recording this, I'm involved in a whistleblowing claim where one of the many allegations of detriment is that the employer told certain senior employees that their colleague, another senior employee, had been suspended. She's arguing the company only needed to say she was on leave rather than she was suspended. It's not a very meritorious argument, but nevertheless, it's an argument that now has to be defended. Situation number four, when suspension can lead to a breach of trust and confidence, is in very limited circumstances where keeping an employee on suspension can lead to them losing or perhaps falling behind on certain key skills. But this is very rare. An example might be an airline pilot who needs to fly a certain number of hours and will lose certification if they fail to do so. The fifth and final example is if you decide to suspend somebody without pay, rather than on full pay, where their employment contract does not expressly allow you to suspend without pay. This will always be a breach of trust and confidence. And even if the contract does allow suspension without pay, a tribunal will expect any period of unpaid suspension to be as brief as possible and will scrutinise any delay in the investigation rigorously. The way in which you communicate the suspension to the employee and to their colleagues is key. Make it clear it's not a punishment and it's just a temporary measure, and that it says nothing about the outcome that will be reached after a full and fair investigation. Whether they believe you or not is up to them, but your ongoing actions will need to support the assurances you've given. Also tell them what's expected of them during the suspension, essentially that they're still employed and subject to employment obligations, but that they're not to report to work and mustn't contact clients and colleagues. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. I want to make sure they're useful and valuable for you, so let me know what you think. You can contact me via podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. And hit subscribe on whatever podcast service you use. I'm planning to do a lot more of these. Again, thank you for listening all the way through. And as a new podcast, it's really important for search visibility for me to get reviews on iTunes. So please, just so I know people are listening, just take 20 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for Employment Law Matters. Thank you for listening. I'm Daniel Barnett. Episode two will be out next week. Goodbye. 
Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.